this idea of being able to be creative by finding stuff and doing stuff with that stuff, it's, it's really a completely different context. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, you said in one of our recent podcasts that Dr. Webster would say, when you get a paycheck, go to a new unit. I love that idea. But, of course, he only got paid once a month. Right. That was was the old world, I guess. Mm -hmm. And his point was you need to have an anchor in time so that you know it's time to move on. Otherwise, you get stuck. And, of course, we get phone calls and people call up, oh, I've been doing the structuring style for a while and it was going really well and it's just not going as good and I don't know, you know, I, I hope that the training we give our customer service people yes. is to ask the question, what unit are you in? And if they say, what do you mean? Well, then we know what the problem is, <laughs> yep. right? They got stuck at unit two and yep. they couldn't remember how to do anything else. Yep. But people can get stuck at any unit. Sure. They sometimes think, well, we have to have unit five perfect. Everybody has to be independent. Everybody has to be doing it all on their own before we go on to unit mm-hmm. six. Mm-hmm. Well, that may not happen in a month or two, right? depending on the age, aptitude, experience level of the kids. So one of the key ideas that we try to really help people understand is you don't have to master the units yes. to go to the next one. Yes, You do have to master the stylistic techniques mm-hmm. because those are cumulative, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're doing four dress-ups. You want to be sure that's pretty easy before you add in the fifth dress-up. You yep. want to be sure that's pretty easy before you add in the next. You want to be sure that's pretty easy before you move into openers, etc. But with units, you don't have to know it, do it, understand it perfectly to move into the next unit because they're generally not dependent on each other. I mean, a few things are, like the topic clincher rule introduced in Unit 4 continues all the way through to Unit 8, but you're still practicing that, yep. and, and so that's okay. The other thing that happens is some people, uh, they like one unit a whole lot more than maybe another one, so they'll camp out there, and if you camp out long enough, you could get stuck. Mm-hmm. So... That's part of, I think, the brilliance of the system is you go through all nine units over the course of a school year or or a full year, and then you go through those nine units again. And then you go through those nine units again, and of course you're doing different stories, different articles, and in unit seven, different subjects Mm -hmm. for practicing invention. Yes. So it's not like you're writing the same thing 
you're using the same tools. Right. And that's where we see the real power of that cyclical layering and gradual understanding of the structural models. Yep. What I love about our structural models and you know, as you said, cyclical, as opposed to our stylistic techniques, structure and style, the structural models, you know, going over them year after year, if the students are doing several years of this, and in my world, several is four, <laughs> I've, I've quantified a, a variable number. <laughs> We've had debates about the meaning of a couple, a few, and several. Several, right. So four years, but four years of doing structure and style these students have now internalized these units, and when they're faced with any writing assignment in college, in work, writing letters, do people still write letters? No, I think they do. But yeah. your point is is clear, and that is they've internalized a sense of order. Yes, a sense of structure, a sense of how to organize and present ideas, so that when someone else gives them some assignment, they can pull from that toolbox, mm -hmm. the appropriate parts of what was learned during the structure and style period. Right. right. And then whip it out. Yep. I, I know this one girl, and she ended up getting her bachelor's degree at 18. Oh, my. And a master's degree in curriculum assessment by the age of 20. Oh, my. So she's, you know, exceptional, super yeah. hardworking kid and all that. But she said, yep, really all I had to do for college classes was write papers. It was so easy. <laughs> you know, and not a lot of people would take that view. Yeah. And I said, why was it easy? She goes, I don't know. I just knew what to do. Yes. It's one of those things where you learn it when you're young mm -hmm. and then it's natural. Yep. It's easy. So strong encouragement mm -hmm. for people to, you know, work through the units. Yep. And don't worry about perfection at any given point in time. Yep. Trust the system, persist for three or four years, and then send the kid off to take a class somewhere. And he or she will probably just know how to do it without knowing how they knew how to do it. Exactly. Exactly. I, sometimes we get the question, do you guys cover this type of writing, you know, argumentative or persuasive or some of these words that we may or may not use in our syllabus. Right. And I think the answer is yes, and it especially applies to the unit that we're talking about today, which is, of course, Unit 7. And I know you've told the story, and I'm just going to let you tell it, about a teacher who was questioning why we were waiting so long to get to real writing. Oh, yeah. It was kind of funny. She was sitting in the TWSS and hadn't taught it yet, so mm -hmm. she's imagining what it would be like. And comparing it with her previous experiences of teaching writing. And she said to me, so you don't do any real writing until March? Right. <laughs> and it kind of caught me off guard because I understood what she was saying. I just don't think that way. In her mind, real writing had to be you, your brain, in the blank paper, and that's what they do on standardized Mm -hmm. writing assessment tests yep. for the states or what well, they used to. I don't, states don't do it anymore, but they used mm -hmm. to, I think. Mm -hmm. That that was the only thing that really counted as real writing. Whereas if you look in the world of business and academics, a whole lot of what you have to do is the representation mm -hmm. of ideas that came from elsewhere. Yep. So that skill 
And of course, we've seen a lot of kids, and we even do this little test at the beginning of our SSS videos, give them a piece of paper, say, you've got 15 minutes, write about your home, ready, set, go, totally ignore them, don't even look at it. Just throw them in a folder, bury it in a file cabinet, and then start teaching unit one, unit two, unit three, unit four, and work through. And at the end of the school year, or whenever you want to, but somewhere toward the end, of mm -hmm. you give them the exact same assignment, 15 minutes, write about your home, ready, set, go, ignore, and then pull out the before and compare with the after. And it's, it's almost always very self-evident, the improvements from everything to length, to detail, to vocabulary, to structure, to um, richness of, of idea content. And to me, what it really proves is the system helped these children learn how to think of stuff. Yep. And that's really what Unit 7 brings to the, the point. Yep. Is it's just you and your brain, whatever you carry around in it, and this paper. Yes. But the idea that that's the only form of real writing is, of course, erroneous in the big world of when you write stuff. Mm -hmm. You're almost never dependent upon what you remember what you can imagine, yep. you have resources yes. and you have objectives. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, for real life, academics and business, Webster's syllabus is the perfect balance mm -hmm. of this, quote, creative side. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the more academic collecting up, organizing and presenting ideas that you didn't necessarily create. Right. What some people may not know is that when Webster created the seven units originally, when I learned them in 1991, unit seven was called creative writing. Mm -hmm. And with your help, <laughs> when we redid the TWSS in 2015 mm -hmm. and redid the book and everything, we changed unit seven from creative writing to inventive writing. Yep. And there's a lot of significance to that change. One is, you know, creative writing is a huge thing. If you go and just do searches and or buy books on creative writing, it's vast. And everyone has their own little ideas about what it means and they want to define it this way or that way. And if it doesn't include poetry, well, then you can't call it creative writing. And what about, you know, and oh, oh God forbid you Im imitate anyone. That wouldn't be creative, mm, mm. right? So I wanted to disconnect from the, the baggage mm -hmm. that so many of us have with that term creative writing. In fact, you know, I took a course in my freshman year at San Francisco State University. I never should have taken this course, but I did because I thought, I thought it would be easy. <laughs> it was English 301. Oh, my. Creative writing. Sure. Of course. I, I could you be know, easier. I'm a hapless little 18-year-old thinking creative writing. Well, that should be fun. I could do whatever I want. Oh, gosh. It was horrible. I should have dropped the class. I barely squeezed a C. And my problem was I just, I couldn't figure out what this teacher wanted. Mm -hmm. I could not, she could not communicate or I could not understand what did she want me to do. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I'm super grateful for that because it gave me the lesson that I've been able to use my entire life which is clarity of expectation yep. creates success for everyone. Yep. If I'm clear about what I want you to do, I'm going to be happier 
when you do it or don't do it because yep. it's clear and you're going to be happier when you do it or don't do it because you knew. Yep. But this fuzzy world. Yep. So that was one reason. Another reason was I started teaching Latin. <laughs> ah. And in Latin, the verb creo, mm-hmm. right, is the one that is used in the Latin translation of Genesis. Oh. In principio, Deus creat. In the beginning, God created, mm-hmm. right? Heavens and the earth and everything from nothing. Right. 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 Well, we don't really do that. Right, we don't produce something from nothing. Mm-hmm. We have to have ingredients. Mm-hmm. We have to have stuff. Mm-hmm. We, we and there's a lot kind of even jokes about you know that the scientist who said we figured out how to make life from dirt, and God says, "Fine, go get your own dirt." <laughs> right, it, exactly. you know this idea. <laughs> but in Latin, the word "invenio," mm-hmm. which is the root for invention, invent. And inventory actually means to find or discover. Mm-hmm. And we don't create new stars, but we find that they exist. We yes. discover them, so mm-hmm. they're new to us. We don't create new species. We discover mm-hmm. a new species you know, from the bottom of the ocean that's been around forever. Nobody ever saw it before. Mm-hmm. And so then we do stuff with that, mm-hmm. with the information. So this idea of being able to be creative by finding stuff and doing stuff with that stuff. It's it's really a completely different context. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a, a superb podcast with Scott Newstock. Yes. Who wrote the book, How to Think Like Shakespeare. Yes. And I really, I hope everyone heard that, or if not, go back and listen to mm-hmm. those. It was a two-episode two episodes, series. Yep. And he talked about this idea of stock mm-hmm. that in Shakespeare's time and before and after All writers, all creative people, musicians, even artists, there was a stock of ideas that was available to you. And you would choose to incorporate some of those ideas. Mm. And that was normal. In fact, the thing that struck me most, I don't know if he said it in the podcast or if I just read it in his book, an author was frowned upon if they didn't draw from the work of previous authors. Wow, that's so different. So different, because we would now say, oh, well, that was just lazy or cheating mm-hmm. or plagiarism or mm-hmm. or whatever, that he used this idea that somebody else had. The only problem with that is, really? I mean, is there anything new under the sun? Right. Is there any completely new idea? Right. It's more honest to say, well, every new idea is the combination and permutation of previously existing thoughts. Yes. And so this kind of medieval renaissance classical idea of you draw from the stock mm-hmm. and then you contribute to the stock. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I like that. So, you know, I hear an idea, I say something, I work on it for a while, it becomes a little bit pithy or easier to remember. Someone else hears that idea and then they use it or they change it. Well, I took from the stock. I contributed to the stock. There's the general stock. I love that. And the great thing about being on a planet where we have increasing numbers of people mm-hmm. is we have more and more stuff, mm-hmm. more and more stock mm-hmm. to draw from. Yep. So when we get to Unit 7, you know, the basic lesson that I try to 
help teachers teach the kids, help parents get the kids to get, the kids usually get it pretty quickly. You don't have to produce something from nothing. You don't have to think of something completely original. Just find something that you remember. Find something mm -hmm. you know. Find something you've experienced and tell me about that. Yeah. So we have, of course, our teacher training materials that train the teachers and teaching parents how to teach our system. But we've also developed over the years a curriculum that teachers can use that goes through and helps them go through these units. And so I wanted to spend just a little bit of time talking about how far do we get with the different developmental Developmental periods. Yeah. That's the term I use mm -hmm. in the cultivating language arts preschool perfect. through high yep. school. Yep. So yes, you're looking at preschool, primary, elementary, and those kids are in this oh, 8, 9 to mm -hmm. 10, 11 range. Mm -hmm. That's generally where we would start composition right. per se. Right. Now, there's lots of things you can do with primary, mm -hmm. you know, kids who are in that age five, seven, eight range right, right. to furnish their mind mm -hmm. with great vocabulary, build their stamina of putting letters on paper, gain skills mm -hmm. in, you know, spelling and handwriting. But you kind of think of, okay, when once you're wrestling words into sentences, right. okay, so elementary, then middle, and yep. then high school. Yep. And middle school, you know, developmentally, probably the biggest keyword there is awkward. Yes. Right? You know, they're 11, 12, 13, 14. They're just in this period where everything is awkward. Yep. So, you know, I've very often been trying to coach, especially parents who might not have been through this before, and they have a child who's, you know, 12, 13, 14, and they're worried. Mm-hmm wow, this is just awkward, weird. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I don't really like it. Right. How can I fix it? Right. And the point being, well, you can't really yeah. fix it any more than you can shout at the plant and make it grow. Right. And then high school, you know, that also uh, can be an extension of awkwardness. But very often you see kids are ready for adult level intellectual challenge. Yeah, and it's a great time to give them the opportunity to do dual enrollment. And, you know, we have all sorts of friends that are helping now families make those decisions. Going back to the Unit 7 idea, most of our materials get to Unit 7. Right. Up through our green band, our right. elementary, if you want to call it yeah, that, grade three to five, yeah, reading yeah. level. And we have a couple primary theme-based books as well, and they actually skip Unit 6 but still do, do unit, seven. unit seven. Yeah. And that might, our, our basic model for unit seven is five paragraphs. But for grade one, two, as you say, they're writing sentences, they're putting words together. Their unit seven might only be one paragraph. Mm -hmm. I go back to Mrs. Ingham and her first grade class, and she had them write little one paragraph unit seven. And that's kind of where we went with mm -hmm. that. Yep. Yep. And when we teach it in the TWSS, I say, here's the five-paragraph version. Now, how would you do only one paragraph? How would you do only two paragraphs? Yep. And then there's samples in the seminar workbook of different lengths worth yep. of Unit 7. Right, right. So, yes, you certainly can do Unit 7 without introducing the whole problem of five paragraphs, mm -hmm. which is a lot for little kids. Yep. And then the complexities of introduction, conclusion, background information. Yep. In, in fact, you know, even with middle school, 
I think I would probably do a one or two paragraph unit seven first mm -hmm. before then getting into the five paragraph model. Yeah. Yeah. Most so, of the time. Yeah. So in the introduction and conclusion is the first time we talk about that idea is in unit seven, but you don't have to do an intro and conclusion right. with a unit seven. Yeah. And maybe the child is nine years old. And so you're just going to do some one paragraph. Well, next year there'll be 10. Next year there'll be 11. Next year there'll be 12. Yep. You'll get there. Yep. You don't have to get there now. Nope. Just several years. That's all we're talking about. Right. So, well, lots to lots that we've talked about, lots that we've talked about in the past. There's so many resources available to parents and teachers of how to introduce where many programs actually start. And I think that's the thing that I, when I'm talking to other people about IEW and how we're different, that's my line. And I probably stole it right from you, Andrew. And that is, we don't start with a blank page. We give them the tools and the confidence to be able to now, when they finally get to unit seven, which is where they're now faced with a blank page, they've already done unit one, two, three, four. Well, five. and people who are familiar with this realize that it's a runway mm -hmm. teaching how to think based upon developing the skill of asking questions. Yes. So unit one, it seems so easy. Mm-hmm. It seems what well, you just read a sentence and you choose three words and you copy those three words and you do that six times and then you tell back. Almost like that's too easy. Like mm -hmm. you shouldn't even bother doing that with someone who's old enough to write a whole paragraph. Right. Uh, and then unit two, basically the same thing, only now you're writing into sentences. But what's really interesting is that there's an intellectual challenge that that creates that is different than what most kids would bump into elsewhere, and that is to ask the question about what they're reading. Yes. What are the key words in the sentence? It's a simple question, mm -hmm. but you have to ask it. And if you don't ask it, you can't do the activity. Mm -hmm. So the activity trains the skill. But it's, it's very basic. It's like, you know, how do you stand properly and hold a violin under your chin and put the bow in your hand, right? I mean, it's very basic. Then you get unit three where, okay, now it's a little trickier. You're not saying what are the keywords in the sentence. You're asking harder questions. What are the key elements in this story? Mm -hmm. You still don't have to make up a story, but you have to ask the questions that allow you to retell mm -hmm. the story and maybe you get creative and elaborate a little bit. But that act of asking the questions. Then you get to unit four. Well, now there's too much information. So there's tandem questions going on. The first question is, of all this information, what of it is interesting or important or relevant in some way? And what are the keywords in that idea that can go into the outline? Mm-hmm. So the questions are now more than just one dimension and it's increasing complexity. Unit five, which everyone knows is my least favorite of all the units. And one of my favorites. <laughs> the questions are even harder because mm -hmm. there's no words. Yeah. There's no words on the page. And, and that's why I kind of have been trying to encourage teachers, don't give short shrift to unit five. Yes. It looks like the cute, silly, waste of time business. But it's actually, it's a pivot point because now 
you have to have the skill of saying, okay, here's a picture. Who's in the picture? What are they thinking? What are they saying? Where, what happened before the picture? What's happening after the picture? Is there anything outside the picture? All of these, this kind of litany of questions, it becomes a habit of thought to ask questions. And this really is an acquired skill. Mm-hmm. So unit five is this weaning step. And, you know, the more I see the value of it, the more I realize, well, to look at a picture, even if it's a comic, and be able to write about it, be able to invent content, is the same skill you need to look at a situation in the world yes, and be able to analyze it to some degree. Then unit six, oh, now you have not only too much information, you have too many sources of information. So now your questions are, of all that's there, what's interesting, important, or relevant, and what's a logical way to organize it into topic-based paragraphs that are going to have a, a sequence. And again, there's no like rules that you can necessarily memorize and follow because mm-hmm. content is always different. Yep. Writing about the Statue of Liberty is going to be very different than writing about panda bears. Mm-hmm. But the thinking that's required is developed through the practice. Yep. Of all the things I could say about this, what should I say and how should I order it and what are the key words mm-hmm. that I should choose to put in the outline to help me do that? Yep. So then we get to unit seven and it's just you and your memory, your imagination. And if you have the skill of asking questions, you can take any obscure little thing and go very deep into it as I have demonstrated with things like well, what? Cotton balls. Cotton balls. <laughs> Spoons. <laughs> Watching paint dry. That was an interesting one. I think my favorite ever was pocket lint. <laughs> you know, and I always say it. How many of you would feel if I said, take out some paper and write at least 500 words on pocket lint? How many of you would find that a little daunting? And usually a majority of hands will go up and the people who didn't raise their hand are just not raising their hand, but they're still feeling like, I don't know what I would say. And then you work them through the process of here's the litany of questions, here's how to break it into the topics, and boom, pretty soon, 500 words isn't even enough to start to talk about pocket lint. Pocket lint. And and I always say, if you can do this about spoons or cotton balls or pocket lint, think what you could do if you really had something that you care or know about. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be sure and mention too, because it's been quite a bit of time has passed, but some of our listeners may not have read the essay contest winners from our 2023 essay contest, which I don't read all of them and I'm not involved in the judging process, thank the Lord. (laughs) But I did read this year, well, Mm -hmm. I guess... Now it's last year's, but I did read them and I was very moved. The themes, the prompts were basically on heroes, Mm -hmm. right? Who's a person you respect or who's a hero in your life? And not only were they well-written technically, which I would expect because they're entering our essay contest, (laughs) but these were pure unit seven. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, for the most part, yep. they were writing about people that they personally knew and in some cases research. But the ones that were powerful were 
clearly they were writing from personal experience. And I, I was just amazed at the quality of the thought that went into these essay contest winners, let alone, you know, the lovely organization and excellent use of style techniques and all that. But I, I just thought, wow, this is this is really a very large collection of extremely good writing. Yes. And it's just a sample yes. of the even larger, hugely larger quantity of writing that we had as submissions. Yes, yes. So if there's anyone wondering about does this thing work, just go read those essays by those kids. And I don't think you could possibly doubt from that point forward that, yeah, this has the capacity to produce very good thinking as well as good technical expression. Wow. That was amazing. Thank you, Well, Andrew. be sure and put the link to the essay contest winners in the show notes. Will do. Because some of them were very, very touching. Also would make great examples mm. for teachers or yes. parents or tutors or anyone. When you get to Unit 7, yep. if you need to show that some kids, well, here's how you could do it. Yep. Then those would be extremely good examples. Yep. I like it. Will do. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing, would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.